1: everyone, welcome back to Across the Verse. Steve and Jimmy here. A little delayed because of the Christmas holiday. Um, but Jim, uh, even three days later, oh, it feels so good to finally get a win against a big club. Uh, in the write-up for this episode, I, I put this as a match of vindication for Roma. Not only for Roma, but for the captain, Lorenzo Pellegrini. So Jim, I hope you had a great Christmas. Hope all, all of our listeners that celebrate Christmas had a great Christmas. Um, same for anybody that celebrates Kwanzaa. I know Kwanzaa was today as well. But, Jim, we're here to talk Roma and a 2-0 win over Napoli to start it off.
0: Not only was it a 2-0 win, but it was a 2-0 win with, I believe, two touches for both of Napoli's stars, which is a huge achievement for this side. I mean, honestly, any side, let's be real. Um, because Victor Olsenhen and uh, Kovica Gavard-Skelia are excellent players. I don't think that this 2-0 loss minimizes that in any way shape or form but the fact that Roma's defense was able to contain them in such a profound way in this match really speaks to both the uh, strong level of management coming from Mourinho in this one and also just in terms of the actual value of the defenders that we had playing. So obviously Chris Smalling wasn't available, but I I just have to say that I think the combination of Indica, Diego Lorente, Gianluca Mancini, and Rio Patricio, they really came out strong on this one. I I would say, in fact, that they were probably the four best players on the pitch for Roma uh, this match period. And it was a fantastic thing to see. Uh, Beyond that, I was really impressed with Roma's ability to goad aggressive actions out of Napoli's side throughout the full 90. Uh, we saw two red cards as a result of that. And just in general, I, I was not expecting a win coming out of this one, but we got a pretty convincing one, Steve. What do you think about that? Do you think that this was something that you expected? Do you think that you know this exceeded your expectations? And what do you think that it tells you about Roma's ability going forward, especially looking at the Juventus match hanging up before the new year?
1: Yeah, first, I give you credit for going with Kavara's full name. Uh, that's not something to hear yeah. too often, including for myself, but you brought yeah. it up. I mean, th- they held him and Osman to two touches in the penalty area each. That speaks volumes to how much they limited Um-huh. Napoli. Uh, yeah. Napoli's XG was 0.69. Their their uh, XG on shots on target was 0.09 for the max, with just two shots on target. I'm seeing here on AS Roma data, um, who put out that stat that they'd only put out or, or had, not put out, but had two touches each in the in the penalty area is outstanding. I mean, when, when you can yeah. keep them out of the penalty area, it obviously gives you a much better chance of winning, especially a striker like Osterman, who is so deadly inside the area. We saw what he did the previous match where he kind of like Popped the ball up to himself a couple times for the assist. I forget who they were playing, but it was just a lovely play by him, and yeah, that's not finishing
0: either of them. That's to be clear, like they're both incredibly yeah. class players. It's more no, it's more
1: to like compliment what aroma. the defense was able to do, yeah. and
0: they did a fantastic job. I honestly, like looking at that starting lineup, even the midfield did a very strong job in terms of defending these players. And I think that you know, if you look at Eduardo Bove, if you look at Brian Cristante in particular, both of them. I think that they did a very good job on the defensive side of the ball, which given Roma's tendency towards not necessarily having the best balance between offense and defense, I was impressed by Roma's midfield this time in terms of containing players who would normally provide a lot of creativity. Like, I did not see very much from Zielinski or Anguissa that was like, oh, that's a sure chance that's going to translate into a goal-scoring opportunity. This was the side that really both contained Napoli's offense and really gave them questions that they couldn't answer defensively.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why Bove got the nod over Pellegrini. Um, heading into the match, that was one of the question areas. But he... Did the job, and I think Mourinho knew he would do the job defensively, like you said, limiting players like Zielinski and Inguisa. Um, Cristante played well, just played well. All three of those guys earned match ratings on SofaScore of over seven, two, 7.2 or better. Cristante seven point seven, the highest. Um, and you know, one thing that made me a little nervous in that first half was uh, Cristante getting that yellow card pretty early. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna double check the yeah. minute that he got that, but it was it was fairly early. It was a match that the referee felt like he was letting get out of control just a bit. And it was, uh, Paredes got booked in the 28th, uh, Cristante shortly thereafter at, in the 38th, and Christensen in between the 32nd. I mean, the bookings were piling up for Roma early on. It was one of those things like, ooh, after what happened two weeks ago against Fiorentina, it felt like it could really bite Roma in the rear, uh, especially no, with the way, you know, Napoli can be so dynamic moving the ball forward with some of those players like Carver Shelley. And you're like... You know, you got to make sure Cristante doesn't take a foul again in the midfield or Paredes, because we've seen him take quite a few yellow cards this year. And it, it, it turned in the second half and we'll get there after. But you're right. They limited Napoli so much defensively that it was it was really impressive. And, and even when you look at they have like kind of the match flow attacking momentum, little graph that goes up and down based on home team away team on sofa score. Most of the attacking momentum outside of just a little stretch prior to halftime and right after halftime, it's a lot of uh, the graph going up toward the home side, which was Roma and very little going down toward Napoli in the larger bars, the taller bars that indicate pretty good attacking chances. And and Roma just did so well. I personally felt that they were the better side, even prior to the red cards, which we'll get to. I, I mean, did you get that impression as well, that Roma was the better side?
0: Honestly, from minute one, I got that impression. And I know that that might be up for debate, but I was not walking to this match expecting a Roma side that would be putting the pedal to the metal against Napoli. And that's what I got, even through the first half, when by the end of halftime, it was just 0-0. I saw a Romelu Lukaku and Andrea Belotti and Eduardo Bove, Eduardo Bove in particular, In that first half Mm -hmm. was fighting for it and i've seen roma win plenty of matches where it didn't seem in the first half like they were really going neck and neck for those goals so it's not like that's the ultimate indicator of whether roma will win a match but at the same time eduardo bobe alone looked like he wanted to fight for that game and I'm not going to make too many comments, especially considering that Pellegrini scored a goal as a sub um, on Pellegrini's captaincy, though we have discussed that on Chiesa di Toti recently. Uh, beyond that, though, I will say that if there was a player who would be taking over that role for Pellegrini sometime in the future, Eduardo Bove really seems like he's proving himself as that next player to do so. Um... And that's not even just counting on like goals scored because he didn't score a goal in this match. And it's not even talking about assists because it's not like he assisted a goal in this match. But he really reminded me of Daniele De Rossi in the first match, in the first half of this match, in the sense that he really just fought for every ball. And when there was a chance, he really gave 100%. And... That's really all that you can ask out of a midfielder in his role. And I think it was something to really be appreciated. And I think that to a certain extent, the energy that he provided in this match was spread out to the rest of the side throughout the entire full 90. And he looks just like the type of guy who can bring that energy for a full 90 now, which at age 21 is something to be savored, especially as an academy graduate. And. More broadly, like you know, would I be more tempered about his performance if Roma had lost two zero as opposed to winning two zero? Yes, but looking at how he played in this match, I have nothing other than really positive comments to give.
1: Yeah, no, I, there there are some shades of a uh, young De Rossi there in terms of the way he fights, the way he can can drive uh, and score the occasional goal. I mean, he had the first shot on target from what I remember that was tipped over the by, by by moret um so he was active and, and he was a he is a fighter different type player than than pellegrini you mentioned maybe in the future he could be the, the guy that eventually takes the captain's armband he's got the extension now and hopefully we'll stick around a while you know roma always tends to have that one roman in the side who who does play out most of their career if not their whole career in the side and is an important player in the side on top of that you know it was totti De Rossi. Um, we thought it might have been Florenzi, but we know what happened with his career. And now it's kind of Pellegrini and, and maybe Bobe is the next in line. And, you know, Roma does plan on, you know, bringing through more academy grads um, in, in the near future. It seems like after what's been going on with some of these signings and he could be the one that leads the way. And at 21, he has a big enough age gap between himself and Pellegrini, I think, to potentially be that player, like you said. But in the present, I think he's a nice, high energy player, decent skill set. Uh, will fight for every ball in the midfield. And I think that's so important in matches like this, where Roma isn't always more talented, especially when a player like Dybala's is out that, that brings the class to Roma, uh, moving the ball forward and things like that. You need those fighters. And, and Bove's a fighter. And and he's, at 21, got the legs to do it, like you said, for 90 minutes. And I think he's he's carved himself out a really important role in this side. And I think he will continue to do that moving forward. Um, it gives Roma a nice, another option in the midfield, especially with Pellegrini out of form heading into this one. You know, cristante has been eating a lot of minutes. Paredes eating a lot of minutes. And Alar is out now. And we know Renato Sanchez has really been disappointing and might be on his way out the door from some rumors. Bove is going to be a key player in this this midfield for the foreseeable future and and probably longer-term future. So, yeah, kudos to him. You know, we talked about Belotti last time, not really scoring much lately, but he really fought. I thought for a player who, you know is a goal scorer in terms of his role. He, he we we've talked about it before in in other matches in the past. He just fights and I thought he, he fought really hard in this match. Yeah he really kept the pressure on, on Napoli with his hustle. I, I thought he deserved some plaudits for that. We already mentioned the defense defense was great. Uh Diego Lorente while well, while we're there let's let's talk about that. I mean they're talking now I saw some some rumblings on Forte Roma Roma uh, at Punto or that info, Whichever one it is, I can't remember off the top of my head I'll, I'll double check on that But, uh, you know, Lorente's future is uh, You know, potentially in the balance In terms of maybe making this deal permanent Because he's proven to be a really important piece In this back line um, And from what he's shown so yeah, far Yeah, I mean, 100% he's, he's proving that he belongs And maybe he's not always going to be a starter Maybe if Roma does want to upgrade Maybe eventually he becomes like your fourth center back but I think you could do a lot worse than what they've gotten from him.
0: Yeah, no, I 100% agree there. And I would say that, honestly, both Lorente and his teammate slash teammate on loan, Rasmus Christensen, have um, both done a very good job of doing what you need from a player who's on loan. Um, As for why they are both, being sent away from Leeds United, I can't really say beyond the idea that, you know, Leeds is in the championship, but they have both really fought. And given how a lot of players who have been on loan at Roma have operated, that's not necessarily a given. And I would just say looking forward that, especially for Christensen, considering how much there's a lack of depth, in that right wing back position. I would not be surprised at all if Christensen gets that um, transfer over to Roma on a permanent sense. And with Lorente, it's like, you know, Chris Smalling doesn't seem very long for this side. There are a lot of rumors that we'll discuss later about who might be brought in as a center back for this Roma side. But I don't think that those rumors are based off of the fact that Lorente himself is underperforming. And if anything, I think that Roma could use more and more depth at center back than they currently have, at least five or six guys who can really, you know, fit into that three-man back line. So given all of that, I got to say, I'm, I'm impressed with how Lorente's played. I think Indica put in his best match as a Roma player uh, against Napoli this weekend, and Mancini as captain did what you want, you know, he put in a very solid 90 minutes and he presented himself as a guy who could put opponent attackers into a corner and just make them disappear. And really looking at the starting 11, the only player who mildly didn't impress that much was Nikola Zalewski. And I still felt like he did a decent job as a left wing back and certainly a better job than, uh, than Leonardo Spinatoli would usually do. And of course that would be different if El El Sharawi hadn't done a good job, but he also did a good job the moment he got subbed in in that 71st minute. So one match is not an indicator of how Roma will do in the future, but I will say that on the whole, the club looked great against Napoli, which was not what I was expecting going into this one. I was expecting at least a, at, at most a 0-0 draw, maybe a 1-0 loss. And for Roma to completely swallow up Napoli's attackers who are thought of, regardless of Napoli's form, as all-Europe-level attackers, I've got to be at least a little bit happy about that.
1: Oh, yeah. I I... I expected a low-scoring match. I said on my other podcast, too, Kicks and Picks, we were talking about this match as one of our matches we covered there, too. And I I said I expected under three goals in this match um, because I felt like the way both these teams probably had to approach this match with the way the standings were looking and the form they were both entering, it was like a loss would be more hurtful than a win might be helpful, if that makes sense, because a draw maybe would be better than a loss, right? So it was like you kind of felt like they are both going to play a little tight not want to give up too much. And that's why I was happy Roma came out fairly aggressive in the early stages. Roma tends to be a pretty good home side. That's one thing I've noticed about them. They, they do have their their lumps this year. They've taken their lumps. But at home, they've only lost one match. Uh, I believe that was Milan back in match day three, I think, was that was a home loss. So there's six wins, two draws, and one loss. Now, that's, that's, that's pretty solid with 21 goals scored and only seven conceded. That's the third best record in the league in terms of points earned at home. Uh, level yeah. with Juventus, who we will get to soon. They played one less match. Rome has played the one more and lost it. But that that's so important. I mean, that's why Bologna is where they are, right? They're 7-1-1 and at home, tied with Inter for the best home record in the league. It, it goes a long yeah. way when you can take care of business in your own house. Um, it really allows you to have those slip-ups on the road. For example, I'm just going to use Bologna again because we played them last week. On, on the road, they've only lost once, too, but they've drawn six out of eight, right? So they're losing a lot of points on the road, but because they cook at home, they are not feeling in the standings as much. And I, I think Roma, that's what's kind of keeping them afloat too, is the the home form. And and they use that home field advantage. We know that the 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 pit, you know, the the crowd has been great since Marina took over. They're selling out that Olympico at a regular rate. And yeah. I think it really does energize and galvanize the the team to really fight. Uh, and we've seen that match day in and match day out at home. And look, Roma's two two and four with the four being losses on the road. Winning at home is so, so important for them. Um, and they continue to do that. And they finally got one against a big side, right? Because they lost to Milan. They drew Lazio. They drew, uh, yeah, they drew Fiorentina with nine men. They, you know, we're not going to say Bologna big side, but they're performing like a big side. They lost that match, uh, lost to Inter. So here they are. Hmm. Like, here's your next chance to beat a, a, a good side. And, and maybe maybe we can get something out of it and they did they got they got a lot out of it I think this win's going to go a long way for confidence purposes as well with the side because they did it in pretty impressive form and and you mentioned Zalewski I didn't think he had a great game either the crossing leaves a lot to be desired there were times that Romelu Lukaku was getting pretty frustrated I think with the way certain players were approaching the match because the crossing from Zalewski wasn't great he was 0 for 2 from Christensen neither 1 for 3 and a lot of time they would, you know, especially Zalewski, I noticed on the left side, would, would play the ball back into the midfielders before he would even think about whipping it across. And Lukaku's there, like, come on, like, get, get me the ball, right? And that's not a strength of his game. Uh, he wasn't, he didn't come up as a winger. So it's probably not something he worked on a lot growing up because he's playing more in more of a, an attacking role, second striker, you know, attacking midfield type role. So maybe it's not a skill set that he's really honed enough yet at his young age because he's only been playing this wing back position for like, season and a half, two seasons so far now. Um, and he didn't have the biggest impact until he did have the biggest impact by getting a yellow card, Jim. And maybe it's secret Roma agent, Matteo Politano, ex-Roma youth, uh, you know, Primavera Cup winner, kicking out at him and getting red carded, right? We saw the red card, we're like, wait, wait, what? Where's what's his red card for? And then it's Politano, you see the replay, he kicks Zalewski uh, for pulling him back completely boneheaded play from Politano completely changed the course of this match. Because I think you're right. I think if, if that red card doesn't come out, we might be heading toward a zero zero, or maybe one of these sides finds that one goal to make it one, nothing. But lo and behold, Politano in the 66th minute gets a red card for violent contact as he's on the break and pull back by Zlewski with a tactical foul. And it really changes probably the results of this match. I think.
0: Oh, no, without a doubt, I agree that it would change the result of this match. I think that all things considered, the real answer there is, like, is a secret agent Matteo Politano? Because, (laughs) because, geez, I I wouldn't have expected a Napoli player to act that rashly. Especially
1: on that foul. It wasn't like a dirty foul or anything from Zalewski either. It was a tactical foul.
0: No, it wasn't. And on the flip side of that, I would also just say that Looking at how Napoli played, there were a lot of kind of dirty plays that happened throughout that match. We
1: should talk about that, Mm -hmm.
0: which was surprising to me. Just because if I looked at the starting eleven of Napoli compared to Roma, I would have said that Napoli has an advantage over Roma in terms of actual quality. This did not strike me as a match where Napoli would have to play dirty to win. And the fact that so many attackers, in particular, for Napoli were just playing as dirty as possible to try to get this win. It was like, do you not know who you're playing? Like, I just think through talent alone, like a player like Guevara or Olsenhan or even Politano could probably get a goal just by playing at their best. And and like that sounds weird to say, but I, I genuinely think it's true that I don't understand why they're playing as dirty as they were playing. Um I'll take it in the sense that, you know, Napoli got two red cards against Roma and that made it so that Roma could win 2-0. Though based off of the game, I do think that Roma would have won without those red cards, just simply in terms of quality that was being expressed in the match. Like, I do general, generally think that Roma played better than Napoli. But even still, it was a wild match to watch just because, yeah, Politano, Osenhen, McFarra, all of them were playing in a way that, kind of seemed like how you would see a smaller side play against Roma, like a Udinese or something. Like they would just like be kicking towards them, knowing that a red card might happen, but feeling willing to do it because they felt like that was their only option. And I don't understand that at all. And like Steve, tell me if I'm wrong, but that really felt like the vibe that they thought that they were so far back against Roma that they had to do something dirty to win.
1: Yeah, they really tried to muck it up. I- they, they were flopping quite a bit, I felt like it and, and Mourinho let Carbocelli know. He he let him know. Uh and I don't know if that also got into his head a little bit because he, he really got in his face. I forget which Roma player brought him down, and I think got carded for the foul. And and Mourinho was like, he just had enough. It might have been the Christensen foul or the Cristante foul in like the 30th or so minute. And he was like, you know what? I I've, I've had enough of this. And he he let Carbocelli know he was t- telling him Basta Basta, like enough, enough, like just play. And I don't know if it works, maybe it was coincidence, but they they really were. I, I thought, you know, Rome was the team really with a reputation, especially under Mourinho, for getting carded a lot. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about how Mancini's cleaned up his, his – he's still got that reputation, but he's kind of cleaned up how many cards he gets. Um, yeah. But, man, like, I don't know what Napoli was doing in, in some cases. And I think that's why the referee kind of lost control of the match for a bit and you, Roma, who got most of the cards early, the, the tide kind of turned, and then Napoli started taking their own card. And the Politano one was the big one, of course, because it was a straight red card. But Oseman got two yellow cards himself in the 73rd and 80, 86th minute. It was it was kind of baffling. I, one was for, I think, a high arm right on somebody, and then yeah. I forget what the other one was. But it, it was not what I expected because, like I said, has had the reputation of being kind of not dirty, but just – they, they get a lot of cards right and yeah. uh, i'm looking right now second most yellow cards in the league to roma 47 only lecce has more at 49 if you look yeah. for Napoli, they're down like 12th or 13th with 40 which is which is not many compared when you you know compared to it's less than half of the league um and then there's a lot of clubs around 38 so they're right around like the average and roma's above average and then you know, somehow Inter's only got 22 yellow cards. God bless, because everybody else has 32 or more. Uh, could be why they're first in the table. Definitely contributes to when you when you play a clean game. Um, but yeah, Napoli, two red cards in one match. I, surprisingly, Roma's only got two all season. Um, and they're they both in the same match. So even even though we get a lot of bench red cards, I guess, with Mourinho and the staff, they, they do keep the players in the pitch, luckily, uh, for the most part. But yeah, they definitely... They definitely. I don't know if Roma got in their heads. Maybe they frustrated them. Uh, it, it's not the same Napoli side either in terms of how easily they can create things in in Mazzotti's system or even prior under Garcia uh, compared to last year's Spalletti teams. I mean, if any team is a is the epitome of a manager is very important on a on a football pitch, uh, yeah. European football pitch or soccer, calcio, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they are a number one example because they yeah. have changed so much without really, yes, they lost Kim in defense, which is a, a pretty big loss. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. But in terms of what they do going forward, they lost a yeah. lot going forward without really losing anybody. I mean, they, they got rid of Chuck Lozano, who was not that great for them last year. So um, they do miss Spalletti. Man, do they miss him and his attacking football. And, yeah. and Roma, I think that helps. I think that's kind of what contributes to Osimhen and Carvacelli and not getting in the box contributes to them getting frustrated and one of them getting uh, two yellows for a red and, and now he misses Napoli's next match. So just Politano. So now they're missing two of their attacking pieces next week, which which could affect them as well. Um, I don't know how long Valter Mazzotti is going to last. I don't know if um, De Laurentiis is going to have the patience to let him finish out the year, which is the whole reason he was brought in was so they didn't have to commit to somebody longer term. Um, but it's going to get dicey for them if, if they keep up like this, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the sense that it'll get dicey for them. I just don't know who they would replace him with in the sense that... That's the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, like, who do you replace Mazzari with at this point? Um, And just looking ahead at Napoli's matches for the next couple matches, I mean, like, they're not challenging, per se, in the way that Roma's are, but it's like Monza, Torino, Salernitana, Lazio, and Verona, and Milan. Like, those aren't the most challenging, but... They're not easy either. Like I would know, and of those I like think I would say ones. too.
1: Monz and Torino can frustrate offenses. Monz and Torino don't yes. give up a lot of goals.
0: No, they do not. And I would just say, like looking at those matches, it's like, oh, there is a world where Napoli does not get that many points out of their next five matches, which is kind of the opposite uh, of how I'm looking at Roma's next several matches in the sense that, like juventus atalanta milan verona those are going to be hard matches no doubt but like i do think that roma will be able to get a decent number of points out of them like i'm not that scared of atalanta milan verona in a head head to head am i scared of milan and juventus more in a sense that like oh will they beat up on the small sides yeah but like i've looked at how those sides do against the big ones and they don't do that great either so like it's a coin flip in my head. Whereas with Napoli, it's like they're in a fragile state. They're in a definitively fragile state. And that really matters a lot for Roma in the sense that Mm -hmm. this top four, like all respect to Thiago Mota and Bologna, but I don't necessarily know if I believe in them in a full season sense. I think that they've done a fantastic job for 17 matches. Does that mean that they're going to be top four at the end? No clue. Um, And then looking at, Other than Bologna, it's really a coin flip over who might get that last side. And honestly, Milan's in the same spot that, like, I don't really know who's going to be in third and fourth by the end of the season. So, if anything, this match has just proved to me further. This Roma-Napoli match has just proved that nobody knows what's going to happen next. Like, I think everyone will probably agree that it's Juve and Inter in the top two probably until the end of the season. But beyond that, I will not be placing any bets on who will fill out the rest of the Champions League spots for Serie A. I don't know if you disagree with me on that one, but that that is generally how I feel about Serie A going forward. That I know it's Inter and Juve, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I, I don't think Milan is locked in in any way, shape, or form like some people thought they were a few weeks ago. Uh, They have their own issues. Uh, Roma can find a way to go to the San Siro and win in a couple weeks. Who knows? We might be within striking distance of them, too. So it it is really going to be difficult to predict who's going to finish top four. It it really is, because I think it's wide open. I I agree. I think Napoli could be in some trouble. I know that Osiman leaves for AFCON soon. I believe Anguisa also uh, will be leaving for Cameroon. So that's two big players right there that will be leaving them. It's going to put them in a difficult position. Um, and I, a hundred percent right now, even with Roma's tough schedule in the next three weeks, I, after this result, I'd much rather be in Roma's shoes than Napoli's based on what is happening right now. It, it, it just, to me is they, they just seem like they're in the most trouble. The interesting thing to me, you just talked about like, you wouldn't bet on on who would finish top four. Right. And, and I just looked at the betting odds just to, to get a frame of reference of like how people are seeing the seti A table right now obviously enter the clear favorite to win. Um, and Juve is also clear favorite to finish top four. If you look at odds to finish top four for Serie A, the third favorite is Milan at minus 400, which means you would have to bet 400 to win 100. So they're a pretty heavy favorite in third. The next team is actually Napoli at minus 115, which is somewhat shocking to me. Like, I don't know if these odds makers are watching what Napoli is doing right now, but that to me seems like a terrible bet. Uh, and then it's yeah, Fiorentina plus 250 Roma plus 330 Atalanta 350 Bologna plus 600 and Lazio plus 1200 so Bologna the belief is still not there from the odds makers as well uh Lazio really on the outside looking in according to that the odds makers um and Roma's the being pegged as the sixth place team right now in the league just ahead of Atalanta Adal- based on the odds makers through 17 weeks obviously this shifts from match week to match week and you know Roma getting a result at Juve could alter things and Napoli losing a match could alter things but to me, I'm very surprised that Napoli is still the betting favorite for, for fourth place. That, that to me is shocking. I I didn't look before we just came on, and that that to me is very shocking after what we saw from Napoli this week and and knowing that Afcon's going to gut their attack in their midfield. All right, so Jim, anything you want to add on the Napoli match before we move on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just as surprised as you are that Napoli is being viewed as a favorite by the bettors at this point. Maybe they know more than I do, but... At the same time, the belief that I had in this that side kind of died with Spalletti leaving for the national team. And beyond that, I just don't know who they would replace Mazzari with. And if I'm just looking at the managers in the top four or five outside of the, that top two that feels relatively secured, I'd have belief in Mourinho more than pretty much anybody else. So we'll see what happens. I, I just I feel like more than any other season that I've been writing about Roma that outside of the top 2 things are really up for grabs this time.
1: Yeah, 100% up for grabs. So we'll leave it there. We're going to do a quick ad break and then we'll be back to talk the upcoming match against Nap uh Juve.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons.
1: All right, Jim. So from one big match to another, and that that's how it's been on Roma's schedule lately, at least this one we enter with on a high, some momentum. It is going to be probably the toughest one on paper in this stretch, if you can believe it, even as tough as this stretch is and, and will be. It's traveling to Juventus to Turin to face them at the Allianz Stadium on December 30th, last match of the 2023 calendar year. Juve, like we mentioned when we were talking about the top four race, Still second in the league, twelve wins, four draws, just one loss on the season. I mean they they've been they've been a wagon so far. I mean you have to give credit where it's due. They're not the most visually appealing team like Inter. You know they don't score like Inter does. Who at you know Inter scored forty one. They've only scored twenty six. Um, they don't concede a lot. That that's what also makes them good. Second fewest conceded goals with eleven, only behind Inter. And that's why they're yep. sitting four points behind Inter in the league, and seven ahead of Milan, and very comfortably ahead of Bologna, Fiorentina, Roma, all these other teams that might challenge for top four. So they are pretty locked in in second place. I'd be shocked if they fall any lower than second the rest of the way. The way things have gone, it's going to be a different type match for Roma going to the Allianz is always tough for the Giala Rossi. Like, what are you expecting from this match? But before I add, before I say that, I have to add in we saw today. Paolo Dybala back to full training. That's big news ahead of this one.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the win probability that Google has for this Juve-Roma match is 47% Juventus win, 30% draw, 23% Roma win. I think that's a little bit too imbalanced towards Juve, just to be honest. Um, I think that Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku is a combo that, Even Juve at this particular moment can't really match. And I do think that if there's a chance for Roma to win, it will be on the backs of those two players. Beyond that, my gut reaction says that this is going to be a 1 1 draw simply because I know that Roma has the offensive firepower to actually get a goal in there. Do I think that they will be able to contain Juventus fully? No. But I think that that's. Generally, what's going to happen here? I, th- I, I would be betting on a 1-1 one, one draw if I was a better. Um, beyond that, just looking at Juventus, I mean, I was saying this before with everybody outside of the top two, but outside of Inter, I feel like this applies as well. I just don't find any of these sides particularly immortal this go-around. Like, I feel like through a lot of the 2010s, it was Juve and Roma, or Juve, Roma, and Napoli as the three sides that were just, you know, beating up other Serie A sides, and that was about it. But I just don't feel that way anymore about the way that Serie A works. I feel like I see six to seven to eight sides that can generally get three points about against anybody else. Um, even nine, if you want to include Lazio, which is lovely to say that Lazio is a ninth, <laughs> but, you know, I, I generally think that they've got the ability to win three points against pretty much anybody else. And given all that, if was able to get three points against Juve, I'll be happy. Will I be overly surprised? No, simply because I just don't find any side invincible this go-around. Like, Steve, do you find anyone invincible right now? I, I certainly don't.
1: No, I and you know they've only lost one match, so it, it is going to be tough to go there and win. We you know we can't say it won't be. They haven't lost at home yet this season. I mentioned that earlier, um, but nobody's invincible. And you know this UVA side does not score a ton. Uh, Twenty six goals scored is below what Roma scored. They just don't give up a lot. So they're going to have to find a way to get that one. If they can get that one, especially if they can get it first, I think they could find a way to get a point or more in this match if they can get the first goal. Um, One might be enough to at least get a point, though, I think, because Juve doesn't score a whole ton. They score just about, I don't know, it's just about a goal and a half a match, and, you know, not always, they they don't score... Every match, like two, three goals, like you see Inter doing, and you see some of these other teams doing. Look, this past week, they got by Frozenone 2-1. Uh, it was, I think, a pretty late winner. Yeah, it was uh, 81st from Vlaovic to get the winner. You know, the week before that, it's uh, a 1-1 against Genoa. Beat Napoli 1-0. Beat Monza 2-1. Drew Inter 1-1. So, it's, you know, it's a lot of those, those kind of matches where they do concede a goal, and a lot, lately, they've been finding that second goal, but sometimes they have not been. And against the bigger sides, mm-hmm. beat Fiorentina one nothing, beat Milan one nothing. Uh, like we said, Napoli one nothing. Inter was the, yeah. able to peg them back one one uh, against Atalanta 0 So you see a lot of the matches where they they don't score, or where, where they score multiple goals. It's not against the big sides. Uh, Bologna was also one one very early in the season. Only big side that's competing for top four. Um, um you know, at least in theory that they scored yeah. more than one goal against was Lazio 3-1 victory back in September. So mm-hmm. I think Roma is playing well enough right now to hold them to at least or at most a goal, possibly if Roma can yeah. do that, then I think it plays in their hands where they can get, at least get the point Um scoring in the first goal would be huge for me. I don't know if they're gonna be able to do it because we know Roma tends to sit back and encounter. I think if Dybal does play, it's probably like one of those, Second-half appearances for 30 or so minutes, hopefully, maybe even 20 or so minutes, depending on how much fitness he can build up in this week if he is back to full training. Um, maybe Roma tries to hold out, and then when they can play that that wild card, that joker, is where they try to hit back uh, the hardest. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Mourinho approaches this, knowing that DiBala possibly could be at least fit enough for that. Um, that's going to be a, an interesting way to, to game plan this match if he can't start and he's got to come off the bench. Uh, also be interesting to see how he uh, deploys P- uh, Pellegrini if he does being that Pellegrini's coming in with some confidence now you know or do you try to go with the same trio that can disrupt whatever Juve wants to do so it, it's going to be a lot of interesting aspects of this match i think i, I think that's going to be what's so so interesting to see um in terms of how Juve appro- uh, Roma approaches this Juve match you know we're we're waiting on Spinazzola's fitness Dybala's fitness um everybody else is pretty much available except for our who we've talked about um it'll be interesting and like how do you see, I, I i mean i guess based on marina's track record we kind of have to expect them to sit back and encounter do we see a little more aggressiveness against uve base that isn't the greatest attacking side
0: i am genuinely curious about that myself i do think that if Juve presents himself as less of an attacking side, that Roma of all sides will be the most likely to pounce on that simply because of the pure quality that Roma has as an attacking force. Like, you know, we've got Rumelu Lukaku and you don't. <laughs> it's kind of the reductive way to put it. Um, but, I mean, Lukaku, DiBala, Pellegrini, um, Asmoon, Belotti, these are all guys who can really make you pay on the offensive side if you don't give them the time of day. And I am curious to see how Juve responds to all those attackers going forward, simply because playing defensively does not always imply being an adequate response to offensive players, if you know what I mean. Like Roma has definitely played before in a defensive way that has not adequately contained offensive players. And I could definitely see Juve being in the same exact fashion. Beyond that, I mean, I really, like I said this before, I really do see this one as almost a coin flip in the sense that I think I don't, I wouldn't have felt that way if Roma had lost to Napoli, but given that they won rather convincingly, it gives me a lot more confidence about Roma's performance going forward. And sure, this one's in Turin, but I actually kind of believe in Roma against big sides now which is a weird thing to say but I really do feel that way I do think that like if you just look at how Roma has played over the last five it gives me at least a coin flips confidence going into this one
1: yeah and just some interesting stats going into this one so Juve's uh no losses in their last 12 they, they've really been aided I think too by not having to play those European midweek matches so all 12 of those are in the league they haven't lost in 12 matches uh, both teams have scored in five of their last six matches, um, which could hopefully play into the hands of Roma finding at least a goal. But Juve has been first to score in their last ten. And when you're a side that's as sound defensively as Juve is, it really is hard to beat them. It speaks to why they're unbeaten in their last twelve, because they have they score first in, in almost every match. And at the minimum, they're gonna get away with a one one draw. Um yeah. Roma, for their part, has also scored five out of seven first. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if if which one can get the first goal? Juve without a clean sheet against Roma in their last three head-to-heads. There's also been under three, uh, less than three goals in four of the last five head-to-heads, which speaks to the low-scoring Allegri Mourinho type dynamic. Um, not a lot of attacking football. But Roma, I think one thing that they can kind of hang their hat on um, is that they've gone toe-to-toe with Roma under Mar- uh, with Juve under Mourinho last year, beat them. One nothing mm-hmm. back in March. Uh, that was big, right? Um they went one-one uh at the Allianz last season. So that was really early in the season. They took four points off Juve. I almost forgot because our form has been so poor against other big sides. That was the one big side that they actually had success against last season in both matches. Um yeah. we all we all unfortunately remember the four-three loss to Juve that they were up in that yeah. match yeah. uh the year prior in, in January, where it felt like Roma had finally turned the corner against Juve. Um but even the other one under Mourinho one nothing loss. So they've kept it tight. They have not gotten blown out by by this, you know, incarnation of of Juve the last couple seasons. They've they've beaten them once, they've drawn them once, they should have beaten them twice. So I think in that sense too, they they don't have to go there feeling like they are in over their heads, like they maybe have had to do prior to Mourinho's time in Rome, if that makes sense. And I I do think they come in with some confidence, which is another reason why. The win against Napoli was so big. So, I'm expecting a, another tight match. I'm expecting another low score match similar to the Napoli match. I think whoever gets the first goal could be huge if there is a goal in this match, and yeah. hopefully it's Roma. And And I think that DiBala wild card could be huge. I think Lukaku will, he's always motivated. He's going to want to score goals. But I think after all that, you know, stuff that happened with the Juve transfer rumors in the summer and then DiBala returning to Turin is going to want to want to get them back i'm sure as always so hopefully that that will play into roma's hands and, and look if roma can come out of this with three points all of a sudden this six match stretch looks a whole lot better than it did two weeks ago
0: yeah no 100 percent. and i think that honestly just not to sound like a broken record but the way that the season has played out for Serie A in general means that good form can really overhaul your ability to succeed in the season period like a couple of weeks can change everything. And looking at the standings right now, Roma's three points behind fourth, which I don't think I would have expected after the first several match weeks of play. And as much as Roma needs to win every match going forward to guarantee that top four football actually happens, that is something to be relatively proud of. That three points out of fourth is where the side is, given, you know, kind of the poor form that Roma had throughout a lot of the fall. So, I've got some optimism, um, that might not feel that out of the ordinary for listeners of this podcast, but I genuinely do think that heading into Juventus, Cremonese, and beyond, that Roma does have a chance to actually solidify its stance in the fight for the top four. Um, I think that you know, Fiorentina and Bologna have been good signs, but I don't see them as insurmountable. Um, sides to be able to get past like i i, I don't think that being two points behind fiorentino with 17 match days in is a death sentence um i no. also don't think that way about bologna because bologna has been fantastic but if there's anything i've learned about small sides succeeding for an extended period of time in Serie A, it's that it usually doesn't last for much longer than that so <laughs> i i do think that there's a really good chance that roma by the time that march rolls around isn't fourth um Steve do you feel the same way
1: yeah look if they can come out of these next few matches from the stretch if they can get another five points or so six points I think Roma's in a great position um if they can get even a point out of this match I think it's a solid result three would be a huge result I do still feel pretty good about them finishing top four if they can get reinforcements to come in and and they can you know keep people healthy I think is the most important thing to, to that run to the top four but like we've we've said on other episodes the inconsistencies of everybody else outside of Inter and Juve make it a possibility, make it a reality. And if these Italian sides continue to perform in Europe, there might be a fifth spot for the Champions League without even having to win Europa League. So that's that's something that's to keep an eye on as well. Um, it's definitely not a death sentence being two points behind Fiorentina and three behind Bologna. You know, maybe some of those Bologna draws on the road will start to turn into losses in the second half of the season. Maybe the luck doesn't go their way. Um and also, look, I don't buy Fiorentina. I know they got the point off us, which was disappointing, but when you consider that Roma finished that match with nine men and still held them to just a goal for as long as they did, yeah. uh, they don't scare me. Uh, hopefully that just come back to bite us, but I, I think we could definitely go to Florence and win in the second half of the season. And you know, everybody else has their own you know, shakiness to them. I mean, after Roma was in fourth and then dropped to eighth after those back-to-back drop results against Fiorentina, Bologna, people are like, oh, look at Roma now. They dropped four places. And look, here they are springboarding back up two places in just with just one win. Um, yeah. So I, I think it. there's plenty of football to be played. I, I mentioned reinforcements, Jim. I think we, we end there. It looks like, from from the reports, Leonard Bonucci very close to joining Roma. Um, he still belongs to Union Berlin. He's on, under contract there, so I'm guessing it would be like a loan deal, maybe a dry loan. He went there, I think, on a one-year Bosman deal this, this past summer, free agent deal. After leaving Juve, Union Berlin has been very, very disappointing. Uh, after being so good in Bundesliga last year, he's only played about 400 minutes. What do you make of the move? 36 years old, but brings plenty of Steffi experience, plenty of winning experience in Steffi as well. Do you think he still got what it takes to to kind of fill out Roma's back line in the in the interim? Well, uh, is at Afcon. Well, Smalling is hopefully on the mend. Uh, well, Kambula is definitely on the mend. What, what, what do you make of the move?
0: My guess is that he's a Chris Smalling replacement. Like, I feel like that's the read of the situation, that we just have not been able to trust Chris Smalling at all this season. And so as a result, we're going with him. And, like, in terms of that way to view it, I'm, like, okay with it. I've never liked him as a defender that much. But at the same time, I don't really know what else is on the market to make a better deal than him. Uh, Yeah, I mean, can you think of anyone who would be better? I can't
1: (laughs) not not for what they're probably going to pay him. And for the experience in the league that he brings. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's never to me been the greatest defensive center back in terms of like pure defending. I think Chiellini and Barzali made him look really good for a really long time, both in the national team and with Juventus Uh, in terms of ball playing. He tends to be pretty good at, at, as a ball playing center back with, with, you know, chipping balls over the top and the such Is what I remember him as probably being the strength of his game for a long time. And when you're sitting in the center of a back three, at times you have the, the protection of the others to, to do that. Um, You know, hopefully he can at least bring that aspect and and hopefully defend solid enough to, to make up for the loss of Indica. I'm curious to see how Mourinho would deploy him and Lorente. I'm guessing Lorente would just shift out to the left, like he used to do with Smalling last year. Um, yeah. And I think he is the direct Smalling replacement at this point. Now they did say that, him coming does not necessarily exclude a second center back also coming, um, which would not be the end of the world for me, especially if Smalling is in fact possibly done for the year, which is, you know, what, what it seems to be trending toward. It feels like Um, it. Yeah. I've seen Mary Demaral linked. He's still only 25 years old. He, he went to, uh, he followed that Saudi Arabia money from Juve. He also has only played about 400 minutes limited because of physical issues, but still a much younger player. Uh, Trevor Chalaba, I, I'm, I'm butchering his name, the, the, the Chelsea center back who is also pretty young um, Chalaba who played under Mourinho at Chelsea for a bit um, just has been completely frozen out by Mauricio Pochettino this year after playing about 35 matches combined the, the previous two years under Chelsea. So maybe Mourinho, uh, according to the mirror that he wants him, maybe they can bring one of those loan with option kind of deals and maybe he becomes another premier league, like, you know, resurrection in the, in the Italian capital, like they've done with some other players, like, like Smollin for Song, like and like some others. Uh, maybe they can make that kind of move, uh, similar to Lorente too. I mean, but this is a younger player, so maybe they see low-risk, high-reward type move there if they are able to bring in a second player. Curious to see what they do. I think Bonucci will fill the need to an extent. A second center back, though, I would not have any quarrels about, but uh, they might have to move some salary to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on the Mercato, but uh, it's good to know that they're being very proactive with the center back position to at least get somebody in Knowing that Indica probably plays this Juve match, maybe the Cremonese match. I don't think he's here for Atalanta, being that that's the seventh, and Afghan kicks off on the eleventh. I yeah. think it'd be very difficult to see him there for that as well. Um, yeah. Maybe they can give it, you know, Ivory Coast to let him play out that match, but that'll be that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't see him being around for that much longer. And let's give him credit. I mean, against Napoli, he looked excellent. So. I will say that we will be missing him when he goes off to AFCON. Uh, Beyond that, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge to figure out how he would be replaced. Like, Kumbula's coming back to training now, but he's not the type that you'd want to be starting every single match. No, that's the thing. You don't
1: know how much you're going to get out of him when he comes back, which is, I think, also why they're talking about a second center back.
0: Yeah, and I, I would imagine that, you know, in an ideal world, Kumbula is quality enough that we don't have to worry as much, but I don't want to depend on that if we're fighting for top four in the way that we are. So my guess is that they go for at least one, if not two center backs to finish off the January Mercado. It's not ideal in the sense that I feel like we're always looking for center backs in every transfer window. But at the same time, uh, you understand why. And especially in a stopgap kind of sense, like, it seems like the right move to make to go for another center back just to make sure that Roma's defense, which has been a bright spot of the season so far, doesn't completely implode once AFCON rolled around.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and we'll see by next, by the next time we record, there might be some more news on, you know, Bonucci or someone else because we'll be at the last day of the calendar year or so. Um, It'll be interesting. Keep up with the site because we'll be covering all the rumors there over this uh, holiday week. And uh, we thank everybody for listening. We'll catch you guys again next week.